I'm Georgia Lennon from the University of Queensland Art Museum, and you're listening to the fifth episode of Hanks, a podcast where two strangers wander through our current exhibition and share what they have to say. Today we are joined by Tamara Davis, a University of Queensland professor of physics, and Beck Mack, an arts journalist. So you two are going to be looking at Robert Smithson time crystals. This exhibition explores the work of the iconic land artist Robert Smithson, and it's actually Australia's first exhibition of his work. So we're really proud to have it here and we really look forward to you guys looking around. He's inspired by a lot of interesting concepts that you may not initially think pair with art, like non-biological time and crystalline geometry. So I cannot wait to hear where the conversation goes. I've got to say, I've got a little crush on Robert Smithson. Yeah. Because the curators were so obsessed by him. And he was like a rock star of his time. He's like the Jim Morrison of the art world. And um, for quite some time afterwards, he would be in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, it was sort of like I knew him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to see his work and be in his space because this show is so about, I guess, the ephemeral and the other, you know, he, he didn't just make work. He wrote things and he read things and he held parties and... The one thing I really want to see is the bar tab because apparently it's $996 wow. <laughs> in, I think, um, a bar in New York. So, <laughs> And that was some time ago. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, so he's my kind of guy, really. Yeah. So awesome. what do you reckon is going on here? So we've got the artwork that's four mirrors sort of st- stood vertically in a square pattern and they're on. Uh, we've got rocks on either side. Mm. And it's cool because if you get down with your head, you can see that it goes through and yeah you've got this pattern so it is endless is infinity a scientific word or is that just a lay person's no infinity is a a very important mathematical and scientific concept I'm a cosmologist I study the universe and the expansion of the universe as a whole and what this actually reminds me of is the fact that there's a and the observable patch of the universe that we can see, where we know is not the whole universe because we can see further and further as time goes on because light, we can, at the moment we can only see the distance light has been able to travel from the beginning of the universe, the Big Bang, until mm. now. But that's just a p- patch of the universe limited by sort of a contingent just happenstance that we happen to be living about this area. 13.8 billion years after the Big Bang. So we've got this bubble of the universe that we can see. Yeah but we fully expect that it keeps going on after that. We don't know whether it's infinite after that or whether it's finite. Well, what could be there? Yeah, well, it's a bit like this in the sense that... I just don't... That part blows my mind. Yeah, because if it's not... It, it, it could be like, you know, ancient mariners sailing around Earth, yeah. right? There was um, a fear at some point, completely unfounded, obviously, that if they sailed too far, they'd sail off the edge of the Earth. Yes. But we know there's no edge to the Earth. There's a sort of a horizon around what we can see. And that horizon is temporary and it moves around as you move around. And if you walk up to the top of the mast of your ship, you can see further than if you could down the bottom, which is why they put the um, the viewers up the top to try and spy land. And so we've got these temporary horizons, both... In, on the Earth yeah. um, and in astrophysics, yes. sort of the patch of the universe that we can see just because we happen to be sitting where we're sitting, um, and also in all sorts of aspects of life going a bit more philosophical. You know, mm. there's, we're 
there's this area of familiarity that we get with our community and the people around us and stuff. Yeah. And sometimes and we don't realise like what's beyond that. in the universe. Like, a lot of us think we're the only beings. Yeah. So even that sort of gives us a sort of privilege of, like, it's our universe, but really it's not our universe, is it? Like, we're just a small particle in this <laughs> insane thing. We don't even know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that, I guess that's why art, particularly an artist who would dedicate their life to trying to explain that in um, uh, a physical solid form is such a great opportunity for us people. Not like you've got a whole nother completely incredible perspective on it, but just to explore those themes, that idea of infinity, and it's a good it's a good place to come hmm. to, to meld the two. Are you falling in love with him now? <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> Why do you see him in his leather pants? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw on, um, you know, the uh, antique show where people bring along mm, an yep. antique and say, ah, oh, my great auntie left me this, it's fabulous, I don't, how much is it worth? Um, they did it in America and I saw this man bring out, his father was one of the bulldoze drivers oh, on cool. building the spiral. Yeah. And he actually had all his father's drawings around what Smithson wanted. Mm -hmm. And it was so beautiful to see these little hand drawings and his dad had um, altered it and, and sort of worked with the with, with what the design was and come up with this plan of how to build yeah. this spiral. That's really cool. Oh, it's $4,000 each. I don't wow. think his son could believe it. But it was obviously <laughs> a very sentimental thing for the family as well. Yep. And they had this beautiful photo that was of the spiral. must have been once it was built. Um, but in that period, like, you know, an old black and white 60s photo, and that was worth heaps of money too. So not that it's all about money, but I bet this is worth your bit here on the spines and images. Yeah. Look, here he is. See what I mean? He does look like a rock star. Yeah, I can see that. He's got that vibe about him. You know, that sort of 60s Jim Morrison, mm -hmm. drop some trips, let's go down to Utah and build a spiral. <laughs> Yeah, he was sort of like so, like ahead of his time in many ways, wasn't he? Yeah. Like I know there was stuff, you know, you know, conceptual work was happening as in the '60s, but I guess a lot of people, like even scientists, like when the new ideas come forward, when the the old is challenged, a lot of people just want to shut it down or just don't think it's worthy. Yeah, I presume he came up against a bit of that. I imagine. Yeah, Do you, I like in your work. People get cross at you. Actually, the thing that frustrates me the most is that people get cross at me for not being open-minded enough. Okay. Because they think, they think exactly that. Like, oh, you're a scientist. You're just, you're there to, you know, um, you've got this theory that is your pet theory, and you're, you're going to always believe in that no matter what I say. Yeah. And I'm like, no. That's kind of what I said before, but I didn't. Mean that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah, you said it in a different way. It, there was a different uh, sort of context before, because while while scientists. Um, are like the, the the reason I talked about the blind test is yeah. we are determined to not fall into that trap. We've, yes. You've seen the history where science has evolved by so much. Our understanding of the world has improved by so much. And sometimes you have to give up your old um, ideas in order to realise the new, more profound ones that go to a deeper level that really explain yeah. what's going on. And any research scientist knows that your entire career is spent questioning existing beliefs mm. and trying to come up with something new yeah so it's very much like being an artist yeah very similar definitely and it's often um 
I think, and I feel sorry for younger people today because I was just with a 21-year-old the other night and she wanted, to, she wanted to go to London and have this creative life, but she was so terrified of failure yeah. because for them, failure seems like it's the end, but really it's just the beginning, particularly yeah. if you're an artist. You do actually have to take risks. You do have to fail. You have to put your ideas out, be ready yeah. for them to fall on their faces. If you're not failing, you're not being imaginative forward. enough. Yeah, so I guess there is that sort of real... But artists like scientists have this thing inside of them that's just driving them forward in their life to discover or prove or uncover in a way, I guess. So yeah. quite similar, but very different. Yeah, well, similar but different. The, I guess the thing with uh, science is that with art, I never see there is there is no right answer, mm. right? In science, you have a hope that there is some objective truth there that you're trying to get at. Yeah. Whether there is any objective truth underlying things is something that remains up for debate, but we can at least do experiments that show whether your idea is wor worthy or not. I guess in art, it's a it's similar thing. If, if other people appreciate it might be one way in which mm. you could assess something but then again that's not a, always well, a fantastic art, way to assess art. I don't art. know about the science world but there's so many frameworks that go around art so is it contemporary art and who are the who are like what's the gallery and what's what's those um, the external curators mm -hmm. often your work can be misunderstood or mm -hmm. never acknowledged because it didn't fit into its time and place with those people so Robert Smithson died when he was 35. That's amazing. It and is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's what's so interesting about this life. Like, he just, it was such a frenzy of making, and then mm -hmm. it was over. And I guess that sort of adds to his rock star persona that, you know, live fast, die young kind mm -hmm. of thing. In science, you can't do that. You've got to hang in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that said, a bunch of people, have, if you make really uh, insightful breakthroughs, usually that's done when you're younger. Right. So that's. Because you're flexible and free. Yeah. And you, uh, you're not invested in any one thing. And most importantly, I think you have nothing but research to do. Yeah. I think we've all got our best ideas when we're young. Possibly. Really, because, yeah, yeah th there's no, uh, the stakes aren't high. Like, you're yeah. just free and open and creative in your mind to just explore and imagine in a way. Yeah. You lack some preconceptions that might limit your imagination. Yeah. And then when you get older, you have a whole bunch of other responsibilities and you're in charge of mentoring other researchers yeah, and this, that and the other. <laughs> They're the ones that are going to be making the uh, big discoveries yeah. after that. Yeah, just, I know I've been resisting this question, but do people hassle you about God? Yes, quite because a bit. People really want to so many people want to believe there is a God, but obviously yeah. there's not. Well, I don't think there is. But, you know, what? How do you answer that for people? Do, do they find they get upset when you tell them no? Well, I'm an atheist, but I think it's really important to engage everybody in science, yeah. no matter what their creed, uh, religion might happen to be. And so the thing that I, I discuss with creationists sometimes, because I, I have studied the age of the universe and calculated yeah, the ages about 13.8 billion years, and they're like, no, no, it's you know several thousand years, yes, and that's just all. Just before Jesus was born. Yeah, but the uh, I to to those for that specific question, I'm like, hey, look. If you were trying to explain what we currently know about the birth of the universe and its evolution to someone who was in the Garden of Eden wearing fig leaves, mm. 
you wouldn't say there was there were quantum fluctuations in the vacuum and then blah blah blah. You would say, hey, then we separated light from dark yes. and etc. I get you. And the story in Genesis is actually not that bad. So yeah. I don't understand why creationists just don't go, hey, look, science, you're now telling us there was a beginning to the universe. We've been telling you that all along. Yeah, it kind of is the story. In a yeah, way. and the Bible is full of parables. So. I don't it's sort of like in original law, it's dream time. Like there is always this chaos, this chaos mm -hmm. in there. In, in everyone's mm -hmm. theories of, of who we are in the universe, there's always a chaotic moment. And I think, I'm sorry, that's all you guys have come up with. <laughs> Water is born from chaos and the opposite of entropy considerations. But yeah, so I think that it's, even though science shows there's no need for a god, it doesn't preclude one. Yes. Uh, and that's the attitude that I take when those questions come up. And I think from what I perceive, like religion, when it's at its best, does that thing that you were talking about that creates a concept of community and the greater being and the greater, the greater need of other rather yeah. than yourself. So it removes the individual. And I think that's, you know, religion is dying massively, particularly with the Catholic Church, you know, being held try on trial for what they've done so they should but what's in its place you know like we are in a weird time where there is no structure that's reminding us that there is something more than ourselves and yeah I, one of the other questions that i get quite a lot is the idea that uh, oh if we don't have the bible to tell us what's right and wrong how are we supposed to judge what morality is because morality is just relative uh, and I'm like, hold on a second. Like, I would actually really prefer our sense of morality to be discussed and agreed upon. Mm. You know, I don't need someone to tell me that murder is bad yeah. and, you know, the, the community is not going to function well if you're walking around all the time being fearful that the person beside you might stab you. Yeah. The, uh, you, you know, there's clear aspects of morality, ways that make happy humans working together in societies that work well. It doesn't have to be dictated, that's something that we can figure out and arguably that was what was done by humans who previously wrote books yeah. that said this is what God says we should use And I guess morality. that's also where art plays its role as well because mm -hmm. it does let us uh, perceive and reflect on, on who we are as human and, and what are those boundaries between, well not what's right and wrong but you know just sort of look at yeah. this fabric of life right now and I think also just from what I've read about Smithson and what was what the curators were so excited about was that he was like a scene maker like so he didn't just make work like he held parties and there were exhibition mm. openings and there's all this really great community and energy that flows around his work and it flows around the arts and that's why I think people want it well they're, not, they're artists but that's part of what I guess helps build a stronger fabric in our culture is if we've got a healthy art scene because mm -hmm. there are a group of people that come together and they look at ideas and they share ideas, they communicate about those ideas, but they're building foundations in a way that ultimately reverberates through our who, our culture and our place now. So I think yeah. that's what he did and that's why people love him. So do you wish you would have met Robert Smithson now? Do you've seen this? I think he, he would have loved talking to you. I was going to say, he would have had some good parties, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we never found that bar tab. No. Is that here, is it? 
Well, apparently he liked drinking Budweiser, which is a bit of a letdown. I thought he would have been a bit of a Scotch man. <laughs> I think he's, you know, behind every great man is a great woman, and I think his partner at the time yeah. was a big um, supporter yeah. and really part of the work as well, you know, but you don't see her in the room. I always find that a little bit disappointing. Yeah. There might be a photo of her somewhere, but um, I bet she was, you know, probably part of this whole thing in Definitely. so many ways. Yeah, well, I think a theme of that we keep coming back to is the community around us builds up, like, colours our perceptions in many ways. Yeah. And also our imagination. Yeah, exactly. I like negatives. Yeah, he looks like he's on the moon. Yeah, definitely. He, he would have loved to have gone to the moon. I would have loved to have gone to the moon. Can you still go? Yeah, possibly. Come yeah. on. I mean, there's, still, there's time. And it's sad they've stopped travelling to the moon. It was yeah. so romantic. No one's travelled to the moon in my lifetime. Oh my gosh. You have to sort that out. I did meet uh, Charlie Duke the other day, who's an astronaut who walked on the moon. Really? Yeah. And how was it? Cool. Could he explain to you the experience? I found, the, the funniest thing that he said, someone asked him, what did it smell like? Oh, that's a good question. What yeah. did it smell like? Gunpowder. Wow. That was, his, that was his word because he said you couldn't smell something. I mean, you, obviously you're in your spacesuit when you're out walking around on the moon, so yeah. you don't really get any, there's no air coming in from yeah. the moon. But once you got inside and took the suit off, all the, the dust that was on the extent, outside of your suit contaminated the inside of the air. And that was when it smelled like gunpowder. Yeah. Right. Was such a di it was a different time, and I guess his work is evocative of that of, of moon travel. Yeah, people were taking psychedelic drugs. They were making cults. You know, it was a real shift in questioning God um, and who we are as humans on this earth. Like, so I think his his work is very timely of that yeah. period. There's a lot of desertscapes and rocks and yeah, sort of very stark landscapes. I like I love the idea of when people first left the planet and looked back and saw Earth for the first time, which is about the time that this artwork was being yes. made, right? And I have heard stories of how a, a profound shift that made in people's sort of opinions to conservation and things like that, when people first look back and look at Earth as this delicate little thing hanging yeah. in this vast yeah. emptiness of space, so small. saw it as a full planet. Yeah. It's funny now to think, because we're so familiar with those pictures, it's funny to think that really not that long ago, no one had ever seen the Earth. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? From far enough away to make it look like the Earth that we know and love now. And I wonder yeah. if he built that spiral jetty so that people could see it from the rockets. Yeah. Like, yeah. I bet that was in his mind. <laughs> I'm going to build something they can see from the moon, maybe. They look really close. <laughs> That's true. That would be cool. Have you seen that spiral jetty? Have you seen photos of it over time? So... It was built back, I, I think, in the, well, um, I think maybe 68, don't quote me on that, but it still exists. But in that time, the lake has um, swallowed it up. It's dried it out. It's it's just, it keeps, the, the landscape keeps shifting around it. And obviously it's um, devolved and sort of all the entropy is coming in. Yep. And, but it's still present. And I mean, again, I feel sorry for him that he died so young mm. to have not seen mm, see the that evolution. word transit through space and time and evolve to, to what it is now or, yeah. or, or, and continually. Like, I think 
That's sad. When I guess that thing we were saying before, when you um, you spend so much, so much individual focus, so much time and energy on this point, but their end points after they die, and so they never ever get resolution or find the answer or yeah. get to the point they've been driving to their whole life. Yep. But the people that are still alive and around them get to see that. So I yeah. guess that's that. Yeah, the story continues. Exactly. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hangs. Robert Smithson Time Crystals is open to the 8th of July at the University of Queensland Art Museum. For more information on upcoming events and opportunities, visit the museum website at artmuseum.uq.edu.au. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for hanging out.